Welcome to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. We're a church in Gahanna, Ohio, that exists to help people find and follow God. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you discover how much God really loves you. Well, good morning, Three Creeks. Um, I just want to tell you guys thank you from the bottom of my heart of just your love and your impact to my family and I. Uh, this morning as I stand up here before you, there's so many different emotions that I'm like going through. There's this emotion of like happiness of what God is like bringing our family into, but then this, this sense of sadness for, for what's taking place and what's happening. But um, I want to tell you guys personally from the bottom of my heart that my family and I appreciate just how much you've impacted and loved us uh, while we've been here. Um, and I, you know, we'll still be here in the community. Uh, I'm sure we'll see a lot of you guys, but we are just so excited what God is going to continue to do in and through Three Creeks uh, with you guys. If this is um, your first time here with us this morning, I want to tell you again, welcome. We are glad that you have decided to join us. Uh, we realize that you could have been anywhere, but the fact that you chose to be here this morning truly does mean the world to us. And uh, we as a church have been navigating through the book of 1 Peter, and we've been in this message series that we've entitled, uh, There is Hope. And Peter writes this amazing letter to these Christians, these Christ followers who are scattered all across Asia Minor, um, who are experiencing very hard suffering and trials, and he is reminding them uh, to really walk out and live out this amazing life, even in the face of heavy persecution and hardship because of the hope that they have. And I believe that as well as that message probably hit home for those uh, believers and followers of Christ then, it would do the very same for us today in the world that we lived in, in the life that we've been called to live as believers in Christ. If you go back to the very beginning of the book of First Peter, uh, Peter addresses these Christians as aliens, like reminding them, like, this is not your home. You have been called to something greater, but as you are here and as you're navigating through the hardships and the persecutions that you're going through, like, remember the hope that you have. And as a believer, in today's age, we too are aliens. And this, this is not our home, but we have been called to live and navigate in such a way that will honor and glorify Christ in the culture that we remain in today. And so we're going to continue um, snailing through this book of 1 Peter. Uh, we, Joel did an amazing job of going through the first half of 1 Peter chapter 3, and I'm going to sort of wrap up the bottom half of chapter 3 in 1 Peter. And what we're going to talk about specifically this morning is that when we walk through these verses, we'll, we'll come across this common theme of doing good. And, for, and Peter, so many times coming off of, uh, for, I want to say, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8, all the way down through uh, verse 17 in this chapter, you hear this terminology, this term that he uses, this idea of doing good. And so we're going to explore that term this morning. What is he talking about? Essentially, we're going to talk through three different gifts of goodness that we see in the text this morning, and then I'll, I'll wrap us up here and get out of your way. But I want to reread just what, we, what was read, just so we can get this locked in. So if you have your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 3, 
verse 13 through 17, says this. It says, now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward, reward you for, for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope, as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way, keeping your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good if that is what God wants than to suffer for doing wrong. The first gift of doing good that we see in this text is this, that doing good is normally profitable and is rewarded by God. Doing good is normally profitable and is rewarded by God. Peter starts this passage off by asking us a rhetorical question, that question of simply this, now who will harm you if you are eager to do good? Who will harm you if you are eager to do good? And to that question, I mean, it, when you ask a rhetorical question, obviously there's, a, there's an implied like, answer that the asker of the question is saying, like, this person should know. It's like very clear. So who, who will harm you if you are eager to do good? I think when I read that in the text, I go, well, Peter, what good are you talking about? What is this good that you are referring to in this text? And we didn't get a chance to like unpack this last week, but I want to take us back just to put this in the context for us so we can understand just the connection of what Peter is talking about. So if we look back at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. That's where we find out this good that he's talking about. And it reads here, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. It says, finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tenderhearted, and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. For the scripture says, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers, but the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. So again, there's this idea that we see all throughout this passage of doing good, doing what is right. And, and Peter sort of paints out again, starting off this passage by asking this rhetorical question, hey, who will harm you if you are eager, eager to do right? Who will harm you if you are an individual who are walking out all of these great characteristics that we see starting in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, all the way through 12. And, and, and from that, I mean, we see that I believe, like, again, typically, if we, I think we can all agree, is that typically when we are seeking to put the needs of others before ourselves, if we are walking graciously in love, being tenderhearted, being humble in our attitude, like considering the interests of others above ourselves, I think we can all agree that things would naturally go well for us. Not all the time, but typically a good bit of the time. That if we will walk and live in a life that seeks to love others and uplift them, that typically things will go well for us. 
But we see here in a turn, I mean, if, if we were to continue to read further along in this passage in 1 Peter, that even if we are doing good, we are eager to do good and things don't go well, Peter tells us this amazing promise that is found in verse 14, but even if you suffer for doing good and right, God will reward you for it. So from this, I think this is an amazing thing for us to see that we could all agree that normally and typically when we do great things and seek to honor other people above ourselves, that that's profitable and it's good for us. But even in the sense that we may do good things and we may suffer, that God still sees that and will reward us for it, we can conclude that it is very good for us as people to not seek our own interests, but to sympathize with other people, to be tenderhearted, to be caring, because in the end of the day, you win in that way. Like, you, you, you win. Like, you, you literally, people would look at you in amazement of, wow, like, what is it? Like, why is he or she so loving, so caring, so tenderhearted, so kind? And even in the midst of this, like, being in a culture where in moments you may, you may find yourself in doing the right thing and still be persecuted for it, where a lot of these Christians were experiencing that, God sees that and he's honor, he honors that. And the promise that we have from this passage that we see is that he rewards it. And so, again, I just want to remind us in that, that doing good is normally profitable and God rewards it. Our second gift that I want to unpack, we'll be starting here in verse 15, is this, that doing good demands an explanation. Doing good demands an explanation. In verse 15, it says, instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. There was a story about this pastor who one day went into his backyard uh, to build this wooden trellis where he could have vines just like growing up on it. And so he went out, out in his backyard, he had his hammer and his nail. And as he began to work on this trellis, he noticed there was this, uh, his neighbor, there was a little kid that was, uh, was his neighbor, came out and was just watching him. And he thought, the pastor thought to himself, well, hey, if I just continue to just build and go about my business, he'll eventually just walk away. He, he, he'll, he'll get bored and tired of watching me do this and he'll walk away. And that didn't happen. The little kid just stayed there staring at him, build this wooden trellis. And after he finished, the, the pastor stands up and goes, hey, like, he's talking to the little kid. He goes, hey, are you interested in, in learning about like gardening and things like that? And the little boy goes, no, I just want to see what a pastor would say, like if he hits his, his thumb with the, with the hammer. <laughs> and and I, I share that, like that story to tell you this, like from this passage, that as a Christ follower, as a believer, know that the world is constantly watching you, right? That as the little boy was watching that pastor in that moment, that is how the world is looking at, at Christ followers. Like in, even in the midst of hardships and trials, like they're looking at the way you respond. And another way that you can put it is the mic is always on. Like the world is constantly looking at us to say, hey, how, how are you responding in this this cultural, like, you know, government, political issues. How are, you, how are you responding in that way? How are you responding, you know, um, 
as maybe your supervisor at work says something sideways to you and gets on your nerves in some way? How are you responding? How are you responding when your spouse is saying something to you? The world is constantly watching us. And as an alien, as, as Peter puts it in, in this whole book, as aliens to this world and being submerged in the culture that I would say is very much so against the teachings of God and Jesus himself, the world is constantly watching and seeking, like, how do we respond in these situations? How do we respond in, like, the hardships and the trials that we live? Because, again, what I do know is that doing good, seeking to do good, demands an explanation. Like, it draws out curiosity in people. And we know this. I mean, you probably thought this to yourself a couple times when you're out living your life and you come across somebody where it's like, man, it's something about that guy or something about that girl that's just like, they're just different. They're so kind. They're so tenderhearted. Like, man, just the way that they respond. And you, if you're a believer yourself, you go like, man, they, I'm sure like they have hope in Christ. Like they, they, they definitely have to. There's just something different. And the same is true, I feel like, in the way with like people who may not be following the Lord, that they are looking to see, is there something different about you? Because it's the, it's the things in which how we live our lives in the good that we do, as explained in verses 8 through 12 that we just read not too long ago, it's that good that I think is going to spark the curiosity for people to ask about the hope that you have. And I know this, that if, if people don't see the Christ in you, if they don't see a difference from the culture in which they're already in, that they'll never get to a place of asking you about the hope that you have in Christ. And so Three Creeks this morning, I want to ask us, like, are we living or are you living in such a way that demands an explanation from other people? Are you living in such a way that when people see you living and going about your day-to-day life, that, man, they're asking that question, they're even having that thought of like, man, what is it about him? What is it about her that maybe eventually just sparks them to ask a question about the hope that you have? And then the second follow-up question I would have to that is do you, do you know what you would say? Do you know about the hope that you have? Are you confident in your response to that? Because Peter is urging us in this text to have a response. And he even tells us in the way of how we communicate that response in a very gentle and loving way. People are always looking, always watching. I love what Matthew verse, chapter 5, verse 16 says. It encourages us by saying this. It says, uh, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That, man, I believe as a Christ follower, there's this, there's, as a Christ follower, there's this responsibility that we have. Do, do we say people? No, by no means we, I can't, we can't save anyone. But I do believe that we can live in such a way that draws people to get this clear vision of who Christ is so that they too may taste and see the goodness of the Lord and what he has for them as well. And so I think there's this charge that we should really embrace as believers, being aliens in this world to go, hey, like I've been called to live my life in such a high manner, in such a way that people will be curious to ask about the life that I live. And when they do so, that I would be always willing and ready to give a response with gentleness, kindness, and in love. When I, um, I played college ball at Florida A&M University, and um, I'll never forget, man, I had just like really committed my life to the Lord right before I went to college. 
And so going onto my college campus my freshman year, I was like, give me a super soaker water gun. I am going to tackle the gates of hell. I'm ready to go. Nothing is going to stop me. I don't care about all the college like parties and stuff. Like I am going to go and radically change my campus for the cause of Christ. Like that was my my attitude. And getting on a college, I don't care what college campus you're on, like it could be pretty dark, as we know, really, really dark. And I remember playing on my college baseball team and really taking this charge of like, man, I want to live in such a way that like, it's not weird, but I mean, obviously people cast things as weird when it's different, but I just want to live in such a way that, man, I honor God and that people will be curious to ask questions. And I'll never forget my junior year, after our senior, we just got done playing, we had senior night, just got done playing that game, and our, my baseball players was like, hey, we're going to throw this party for the seniors on our team. And our baseball team threw crazy parties, but I'm like, I'm just going to go to be a team player and hang in there with everybody. And so I get there, and uh, my teammates are going crazy. People are just like, I don't know, upside down on kegs and going nuts and like loud music. Um, and I'm just standing here in their corner, and I, I, I got me a little red cup of just some beer that I had, and I'm taking some sips of it. And one of my teammates, I, I literally, I mean, he was drunk, but if you know, personally, I believe drunk people, they're, they're very truth tellers. They tell the truth. They will tell you the truth. That is one thing about them. He looks at me. He comes out of this, like, what seemed to be this glazed look that he had on his face, he, and he turns and looks at me with my red cup. He goes, no, what are you doing? And I'm looking at him, it's like, what are, you, what are you talking about? He says, John, you're the closest thing I have to Jesus. Why you got that red cup in your hand? And I mean, I'm of age to drink. I'm drinking responsibly. But like in that moment, it made me think like, golly, like was this worth it? It was definitely not worth it because I do still to this day, I'm trying to acquire this taste for beer. But <laughs> it, just, it just wasn't worth it in the moment. And I, I felt like, man, like, did I create this stumbling block for this guy? Like, uh, and it was a beautiful moment. I mean, it ended up being a beautiful moment that I got to go back and like share and talk through things with him. But I thought, man, like, wow, like that guy had never talked to me before about how I was living my life up until that point. And in a moment where I would definitely say, and he would say that he was very intoxicated under the influence, he looked at me and was just like, yo, like, no, you're, like, you're the guy that I'm looking to for like how I, should, how I want to live my life, but I'm struggling to do so. And it like, it broke me, but it also reminded me like, John, dude, you're being watched whether you know it or not. And again, the same is true for us today that as we seek and we're being aliens in this culture and living in this world today, and we're seeking to live up to this calling of doing good, that it is going to demand an explanation. And either that, that like, the way you live your life, know that it's either drawing people, in my opinion, closer to wanting to know more about the characteristics and love of Christ, or it's becoming a stumbling block for people. And I think we should check ourselves as to where we stand on that. Like, are we, are we living in such a way that not only is demanding an explanation, but like, it is a way that is drawing people to truly want to know the love and the hope of Christ. Our good behavior is going to do, again, one or two things, either draw people closer or pull them away. But we see that this, this good gift, the second good gift that we explore in this text is that doing good 
demands an explanation. And as Peter has said, when that explanation is demanded by people, that we will be ready to give an explanation in truth and love and grace. This last and final gift of doing good that we see in the text, and I would say probably the most important one, um, if you haven't heard me say anything, I, I really want us to lock in this one right here, that our, our final and third gift of doing good is this, that doing good can only be sustained by hope in Christ. Doing good can only be sustained by hope in Christ. Anything other than the hope of Christ fueling your thoughts or your actions of doing good will ultimately fade. It's just, just bottom line. It will ultimately fade. We do this, I feel like, all the time. You, myself, the person sitting right next to you, we love to put our hope in things that were never designed to, like, bear the grunt weight of that. They, it just was never, never designed to uphold, like, the hope that we put into certain things. And even though we know this, we still fight to do it. And whatever that thing is, it's like sitting there straining straining like crazy to hold it up. And all it takes typically is a, a simple phone call, someone cutting us off in traffic, a sickness that we come down with, someone says something heartbreaking to us, gut-wrenching to us, and the whole thing collapses and falls apart. The entire thing collapses and falls apart. It is strictly and only out of the hope that is found in Jesus Christ that we are able to sustain and carrying out and doing what is good. And don't get me wrong, people do good things all the time. So I'm not talking about just this, this temporary, like, you know, things are just good today, so I'm just going to do good things. But like, I think it's when consistency meets this true idea of like understanding of what Christ has done for me. And out of that heart, like just this overwhelming gift of goodness flows out of that is what Peter, I believe, is talking about here in this point. That anything other than Christ himself and the idea of that he loved us so much with this unfailing love, that he cares for us, that he saw us and sees us in our worst and still says, I choose you, that you are enough for me, and it wasn't just with Jesus' words, but he was with his actions of how he took that and went to the point of, of dying on the cross, this grueling death for our sins. He died and he resurrected. And this, we could, we could fully and every confident, like place our hope in him, knowing that at the end of it all, whatever persecution, whatever circumstance we may find ourselves in, that we win that we win. And that, that's a good thing to know because other than that, I mean, th there's nothing else I feel like in this world that can secure you in having this amazing, just like idea to just continue to put one foot in front of the other, other than the idea that Jesus loves us so much and he cares for us and that our hope when solidified completely in him produces this goodness that we're able to walk in and really love and care for a world, even in the midst of hardship and struggles 
that a lot of us find ourselves in. This gift of goodness, as we stated before, is normally profitable and God rewards it. Doing good, it, it demands an explanation and that doing good can only be sustained by the hope in Christ. I pray that as we get ready to exit and go throughout the rest of our week, that we would be men and women this morning that would really seek to honor God by the way that we live our lives, knowing that we're not doing these things out of saying, hey, God, love me more, look what I've done, but we're doing it out of response for what he has done for us. And also what I would add on to that is that there is a world that's broken and hurting that is watching. And there are a lot of people walking around hopeless. And we as believers have this amazing hope that we get to cling to and walk in and put on display for others to see so that they too may taste and see the goodness and the love and the grace that is offered only through Jesus Christ. May we hear that this morning, not as an overwhelming challenge, but as a joy that we as believers genuinely get to walk in and really be a display for a world that is broken and at a lot of times extremely hopeless. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word that we know is true, that it's living and active. You said it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And God, that we are grateful that it doesn't return unto us void, but that when it goes forth, that it accomplishes everything that you design and desire for it to do. God, you know where each of us are at this morning and the things that we're wrestling with and that we're going through. And God, I just pray that you would meet us right where we are. For those who may feel as though that, God, there is no hope, God, I pray that you would show yourself mighty and strong in their life. God, I pray that each of us as followers of you in this room, God, will walk and live in such a way that would honor you, God, and also that would bridge or bring about curiosity in the hearts of others, that they too will come to know you as well. God, thank you for just the gospel and the truth and the hope that we can cling to no matter the suffering or persecution that we may face. God, help us to always remember that you are enough and that your steadfast love endures forever. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Thanks for listening to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, to give online, or to attend a service, visit threecreekschurch.com.